I challenged the congregation here uh, seven weeks ago to memorize with me Romans chapter number 10 and verse number 9. So would you begin with me as we quote this together today? If you openly declare that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Amen. For it is by believing in your heart that you are made right with God. And it is by openly declaring your faith that you are saved. Come on. God's good. Now, we've been celebrating the fact that this word believe has to become central to our faith process. You see, the word believe is one of the most mentioned words in all of Scripture. And we find out of that almost one-third of the uses of the word believe are found in the book of John. And as I was studying the book of John, intently translating the book of John, I began to build a burden in my heart to prepare us for Pentecost with this passage. Now, the word for believe in Scripture is a Greek word that we've been studying around here, and I'm going to get some help uh, uh, with that today. So if those uh, gentlemen that are prepared to help me would join me here on the stage. Give them a hand as they're coming to the stage. I chose our, our most dignified men. Go ahead and mount up there, Jonathan. Yes, sir. All right, Sally. It's okay, girl. It's okay. Good girl. All right. Very good. So we've been studying the word pistiwo, which is a Greek word that uh, I think you need to understand the importance of to understand how to live out your faith. So I want you to help me. Uh, see, the, the, the thing is, I want, to, I want to equip you to understand the truths of this word. And so to, to, some of you are afraid to even say it after we've talked about it for seven weeks. But the word believe, which is pistiwo, and here's what it looks like, and this is how you say it. What does, He has a puzzle piece. He has a puzzle what? Peace. This is what? Some of you are not going to say anything no matter what I ask you. Try with me. Help me one more time. It's a peace. Now, up here we have, oh, look how good he is at that. <laughs> Did you practice that with your daughters? Your wife told me I had to. Oh, okay. <laughs> so this is, those you ladies are going to be, you can't join the ladies Saturday at the tea, but ladies are going to be having the tea. So we have a peace. And what do we need? <laughs> All right. So we needed a woe in there. All right, let's try that one more time. I, I just don't even know where to go. <laughs> All right, ready? Here we go. Let's try it a little faster. All right. I know you've got the point, but just one more time for sake sake of memory. Here we go. All right. Give these guys a hand today. You see, I told you it's the job of the church to 
edify. He gets to edify you, and now I get to equip you, all right? All right, to make you joyful, to encourage you. But what we've been studying is the importance of this word. Now, when we find it and we conjugate this word in all the different forms that it comes to us, we find basically here that we have it in a noun form, we have it in an adjective form, and we have it in a verb form. Now, so when we look at it like this, a noun is what? A person, place, or thing. A adjective is something that is used to describe a noun, and then we have a verb. And a verb is an action. Let me just go ahead and tell you, until your faith becomes something that determines your action, you have not yet caught what God wants you to catch, okay? It must determine the way you live, and it must determine what you do, okay? It's what I believe that determines what I do when nobody else is watching. I wish that you could feel what I feel already this morning. I, I feel it somehow right up in here. I mean, I think you even felt it when you were up here earlier, Pastor Danny, that right up in this space, there's an anointing of the presence of God that has come to change who we are if we will allow God to take what we believe and allow that to change what we do. So when we began to study Pastiwo, we understood that the first week, and it comes in many different definitions, but the first week of that was this definition, that it was the belief to, have the, to accept the truth of something, to trust in something or somebody. Now think about Romans chapter 10 there. It says that I will accept the truth that Jesus Christ is Lord. And not only do I believe that Jesus Christ is Lord, but I believe that I can trust in him to fulfill every promise that he has given to me. Why? Because if he looked death, hell right in the eye and defeated them, he can defeat every attack of the enemy that comes against your life. Amen. This is important. And so I place my, my faith my belief, my, my pastivo in Christ. Then I have what I have here. The second definition that began to direct us was an inner conviction that is motivated by our highest aspirations. It means that what I believe about the things of God tell me that I'm not finished yet. When we sit in this house and we talk about people's struggles, we talk about sins, we talk about weaknesses, what I'm not doing is just, my goodness, I feel the Holy Spirit in what I'm about to say to you. I'm not just pointing out your weaknesses, what I'm doing is also talking about my weaknesses and understanding that I'm not here to criticize anybody else, but I'm also not here to pacify anybody either. Why? Because if you are excited of where you are, watch this now, because, my goodness, Goodness, I feel the Holy Spirit. Because he brought you from where you were to where you are, and you're so excited about what he's done with where from where you were, you look back at who you used to be. How many of you are glad you're not who you used to be anymore? 
All right, watch this. But I cannot get satisfied with who I have become because when I just judge myself against who I used to be, I will end up an unfinished product. But there's got to be a higher aspiration that the Holy Spirit of the living God calls me to. And that's not to be happy just being better than I used to be. It's to realize that God's calling me onward and upward to something more. He's calling me to a new, listen to me now. He's calling me to a new level that tells me I'm not just happy with not having yesterday's bondages, but I will be happy when I hear him say, welcome home, thou good and faithful servants. Come on now. Do you understand what I'm talking about today? I won't be happy until I hear Jesus say, good job. Some of you go, I just don't understand that. Why do you need a good job? Because first off, I'm male. You think we do what we do? Just to do it? No, we are still mama's little boy just wanting to hear, good job. I long for the day when I get, I don't know, this didn't come out in any other service, but I feel it in my heart today. I long for the day when I get to glory. And when I get to glory, I realize he's going to hand me a crown and say, good job. I hope that maybe someday I'll get a soul winner's crown or, or, or something like that. But as he hands me that crown and says, good job, I'm going to look at that and go, "Woo, hallelujah. And then I'm going to catch a glimpse of him on the other side of that reward. Does that make sense? And as I catch a glimpse of Jesus on the other side of that reward, I'll say, Man, that's awesome, but that's even better. And I'll take it and I'll cast it before his feet and say, you are enough for me. Let me just declare that again. You are enough for me, Lord Jesus. Amen. <laughs> Pastor Don, why is this so important? Because that's where we're going with the third verse, the third definition. Watch this. This is the third definition of pastiwo that you need to understand. It's a genuine faith. It is a continuing faith. Let me say that again. It's a belief that keeps on believing. I feel this today. It means that I'm not a Christian on Sunday and not a Christian on Monday. It means that I'm... That I'm not just serving God in a good economy. That I'm serving God no matter what economy I'm in. That I'm serving God whether it be the good times or the bad times. Whether I be in blessings or I be in a wilderness. It does not matter where I am. A pastiwo faith says he's still God. He's still able. And I'm still going to serve him no matter what. Because he's worthy. Amen. He's worthy. I keep going. Do you know why some of us can't win our families to Jesus Christ? It's because our faith is on a roller coaster. Let, let me rephrase that. I feel like I'm giving a roller coaster a bad name. It's on an elevator. One day, it's at the penthouse, and we're shouting. We're, we're going, I mean, it's Thanksgiving Day, and everybody's happy because the feast is around us, and we're like, blessed be the name of the Lord. Look what bounty he hath provided for us. But then all of a sudden, the hell comes knocking on your door, and it goes all the way to the basement, and they don't know even what you're going to say about God because you don't sound a thing like a believer. But I'm not looking for that today. I'm looking for the person who realizes God didn't call me to be a spiritual schizophrenic. He called me to become somebody who's solid, who's strong, who's walking, who though I may go through dark days, he's still God. 
Some of you going, Pastor, you act like you're just ready to go. I am ready to go. I've been doing this. This is my third time today. I'm already fired up. But I feel it. I feel it in my soul because listen to what I'm trying to tell you. It's not that, I, that I'm trying to beat you up. I understand there are times in my life I feel like God forgot my address. Some of you are still waiting on your tax return and you're checking every day and you say, well, something went wrong. Something went wrong. You've been wondering where God is. Something must be wrong. I must have failed him somehow. You're wondering where God is. Can I tell you there's times like that that I have to make up my mind. It doesn't change who I am in Christ. I might be in a wilderness. I might be in a season of waiting, but I'm keeping on pressing on. I'm moving on for Jesus. I'm going to keep serving God no matter. Am I preaching truth today? I'm going to keep serving him no matter what. But even, Pastor Don, you don't understand how dry my world is. You don't understand the Bible says in the book of Job, it says, though there be yet a hint of water, from the stump will spring new life. What that's saying is this. Though I might have went through a season where it looks like everything was ripped out of my life, all I need is just one wind of the Holy Ghost, and I have everything I need to go on. Amen. You see, this is where you keep believing until you start becoming. You keep believing until you start becoming. Keep pushing. Keep going. Well, I'll never amount to anything. Don't you believe the lie of the devil? You believe the command of Jesus Christ that you are a masterpiece. I feel the Holy Ghost today. You're a chosen generation of the living God. A people zealous of good works. So we've been studying for seven weeks here, and every week's had an action point. I've just got to tell you, I'm almost through my introduction. Listen to this. For week one, we learned that action is the standard of measurement for belief. If you really believe it, you'll do it. Week number two, what we believe determines the direction that we take at crossroads. Week number three... There is life-changing power when you believe and receive the power of the Holy Spirit into your life. We, the next week, I don't even know what we come on. What we believe determines what we take away from our experiences. See, you can sit down at the same table, and if you've got a wrong belief, you can. one person goes away saying, best meal I've ever had, and the other person says, I'll never come back here. Why? It's about what's going on inside of you that really determines what you do. Next, we must come to believe that apart from him, this is last week, we can accomplish nothing. And here's where I want you to get to be today. You see, I keep on going on. I keep on pressing on until I become. Why? Because I have what I need to become what is God, what God has called me to be. Pastor Don, you don't understand what I've been going through. You don't know how, why I, where I started off in this life. You don't understand. No, 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 no. You don't understand what I'm trying to tell you about. What do you think David did when he walked out on the battlefield? Did he walk out there and go, wish I had some armor? <laughs> Come on now. Did he walk out there and go, look, where's everybody? Nobody's standing with me. I think David walked up and said, thank God nobody's in my way. And he didn't say, I need some armor because somebody had offered him somebody else's armor. 
Why did he look at that giant and say, you come to me with your fancy armor, your spear, and your sword, but I come to you in the name of the Lord. Why? Because it's not by might, it's nor by power, but it's by my spirit, says the Lord. Well, I feel this today. I thought to myself earlier, I was so excited in worship, I thought I'd run today if I wasn't afraid of having a heart attack afterwards. Come on now. Of course, if I had run, some of you might have had revival. Come on now. But listen, I saw somebody's post yesterday talking about David. I thought it was good. I don't know who it was. I can't get credit to you. I don't know who you were, but this is what it said. It said, David didn't look out there like the rest of the Israelites and say, oh, look how big Goliath is. Said he looked out there and said, wow, he's too big to miss. Come on now. Amen. Amen. Come on now. I thought, how good is that? He's too big to miss. Can I tell you something today? You have been equipped not of earthly measures to overcome, but you have been equipped by divine gifts from on high that you have what it takes to become what God's called you to be. Oh, Pastor Don, you just don't know where I am. No, you don't understand the beauty of this scripture. Deuteronomy chapter 33 says this. Listen to the power of this scripture. You ready for this? And of Asher he said, Most blessed of sons be Asher. Let him be the favorite of his brothers. And let him dip his foot in oil. Nobody's shouting. Your bars shall be iron and bronze. And as your days, so shall your strength be. Nobody's shouting with me. Do I need to translate it for you? Watch this. And as and of Asher let it be said that he is blessed and he is in a season of favor above others because he is refreshed in oil. Uh-oh. Some of you ain't caught up with me yet. Because in the scripture, wind, fire, and oil always represent the moving of the Holy Spirit. He says, let Asher get this understanding. There's a refreshing that will come to your life when you start letting the Holy Spirit of the living God move inside of who you are. Not only will you be refreshed, but your bar shall, your defense shall become like iron and bronze. In other words, this, you shall have weapons that are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Why? Because there's a work of the Spirit of the living God inside of you. Inside of you. Some of you go, he's crazy. Well, yes, I am. I'm crazy not for Cocoa Puffs. Come on now. I'm crazy for Jesus. Why? My kids are like, there's dad misbehaving again. I'm like, I know. I'm up here. I, I said to Paul in between, I'm trying to behave. He said, stop trying to behave. And I get it. I, I, I get embarrassed sometimes up here because I, I feel it. But when you plug into a power source, go grab hold of an extension cord and see how you're going to feel for a moment. Why? Because if you could get inside of you what I feel coursing inside of me, you would understand what I'm talking to you about. You might be where I told you I walked up here spent, but I don't feel spent right now. I feel like the psalmist of old who said, 
I can run through a troop. I can jump over a wall. You can be refreshed. You can be strengthened by the Holy Spirit. And that's what will help you every day of your life. I'm talking about a God who loves you. I'm talking about a God who deserves your praise. Why don't you lift up the name of Jesus? Lift up the name of Jesus today, man. Amen. Y'all better behave. Why are y'all misbehaving? Instead of worrying about what you lack, focus on what you have. Step out in faith and watch God work through you. Focus on what you, what you do have and not what you don't. This is important. It is not who I am not known to be, to be some revivalist that, that preaches passionately, consistently about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I understand that. When I go places, people say, well, you teach us how to win souls. And I'm quite content being the guy that does that. Because my greatest God, God will come to me. And he will say to me, ask anything you would. And I say the same. Give me souls. Give me souls for the kingdom of heaven. Anything you would have, any miracle, any move, anything you want, I said, God, give me souls. So when I began to study for this, I understood that it was important for me to find a giant of faith in this area of Pentecost. And I began to study Reinhard Bonnke's words. And these were words that encouraged me this week. He said, I want you to notice something that I I think is very important. On the day of Pentecost, no one cried for a double anointing. Nobody asked for a fresh filling. Because, these are his words, not mine, no one left with more than one flame on the day of Pentecost. Nobody left with more than one flame. He said, people ask him all the time, pray for me that your anointing will come upon me. He said, why would I do that? What would I have left if I gave you my anointing? Acts 2.3 says this, then what looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them. You listen to what I'm about to tell you. On all of us, the Holy Spirit wants to fall to give us the authority, the power, and the ability to bring glory to our Heavenly Father. I've wanted to cut this all three services from my notes, but I felt distinctly led to put this in. You see, you look at people you admire, but God has not called you to be like them. He's called you to become like Christ. I remember once someone started praying for me and they began their prayer like this. I pray for you in the name of Jesus Christ. I pray for you in the name of Catherine Kuhlman. I pray for you in the name of Shambach. I pray for you that got to Billy Graham. And I said, stop right there. The first guy's all I need. The rest of this is not God. You listen to what I'm about to tell you. If you've been living by what you can accomplish, stop right there. That's not God. God wants to do something in you that is greater than you can ask, think, or even imagine. As a matter of fact, he wants to make you, according to his word in Ephesians chapter 2, verse number 10, we are God's masterpiece. I haven't, I haven't used this verse in probably two years. We are God's masterpiece. I shared it with a friend this week, and it was in my spirit. 
He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. So I have to ask you, what constitutes a masterpiece? I see my, my art teacher friend up there. What constitutes a masterpiece? A masterpiece becomes a masterpiece because it's an original. It's a one of a kind. No one can do it like that. It becomes perfect in all of the scope and the plan of that artist. It's the culmination of that artist's work, his masterpiece. Now, see, I just lost some of you because you wonder how you could be the culmination of what God created. You think, me? Perfection? Well, see, the problem is this. We don't realize that what the world is trying to do is to take us from being a masterpiece and make us a lithograph. You see, a lithograph, in, in Greek, lithos graphos means to write, graphos, write with lithos stone. Lithos graphos. So when a lithograph the etching is made in stone, and the paint is applied to the stone, and then they're able to make copies of certain portions of that, that, that original work by pressing, watch this, by pressing the, the paint onto the canvas, and then, watch this, the artist will come back, and he will take, say, 1,000 of those, and he will paint a little flower here, add a bird here, and maybe one or two other little touches, and that masterpiece has now been reduced to a stone-pressed lithograph, which is really the same as all the others with just a little bit of difference. You listen to what this pastor is about to tell you. God ordained this time for you. The world is the stone that's trying to press you into the mold. And it's trying to make you feel original enough to give you just a little bit of difference here and there. but to make you feel pressured into succumbing to all the same bondages and struggles. This service is going to be completely different than any other. I feel what I'm about to say to you. God's looking for a people who will not allow the pressure to cause them to conform any longer. He's looking for a young people that when their day arrives to shine, they can say, I have served the Lord all my life. He's looking for a people who don't have to testify to deliverance from bondage, but they can say, I have never been found. He's looking for a person who can righteously look at their spouse and say, I come to you pure on our wedding day. You see, the world and all of its pressure is trying to change us and just, just have a little bit of, add a little bit of look of holiness, but we're really no different than the world. And you see, that's why there's numbers, because there might be a thousand and you might have number 573. 
Because you're just the same as everybody else with just a little bit of difference. Can I tell you that's why the church lacks power? Because we're happy being the same as everybody else with just a little bit of difference. But you're missing the truth that God only produces originals. And you're missing this from Ephesians. That you are God's masterpiece created long ago. Why? A new in Christ Jesus so that we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. The pressure wants to keep you from being able to do. Now this is where the rest of us come in. You might have succumbed to the pressure. Oh, I love Jesus. You might not be able to say you're pure. You might not be able to say that you've never known bondage. You might not ever be able to say that you don't know what scars are because you're riddled with scars. But listen to me, that does not change the fact that long ago he planned you as his masterpiece. Why? You might not have that testimony, but you still have a testimony. Why? You're getting up, you're growing in Christ, and you're allowing the refreshing and the strength of the Holy Spirit of the living God to move inside of you. And what the devil tried to break out of you it's coming through and God's going to step back and say, now that's the culmination of what I can do. Look at how I took a broken life and made it a masterpiece of a mosaic of beauty. Let me close with this story today. Pastor Daddy said he, he didn't ever think he'd ever heard this kind of story in, in a church before. I want to talk to you about yesterday's horse race. If you bet on that thing, put twice as much in the offering before you leave today. Come on now. I'm not talking about betting. I was just at home late in the evening there, late in the day. I'd come home after I got home and went straight to the deathbed of a saint. And when I finally got home, I was so tired. I flipped on the TV and Honestly, I, I saw nothing on except it said the 147th running of the Kentucky Derby. Usually there's some funny hats and a few things like that. But I didn't go to watch the hats or listen to the commentary so much. I went to see the horses. I guess to understand the concept of this, you have to understand way back when. Anybody here remember back in the south when we used to have a store called Big Star? Anybody remember Big Star? Yeah, we used to have a thing called, and Big Star, it was a horrible, horrible thing they did, but they, they, they did this for kids, really, but it was, they had Big Star go to the races. And they'd drop all these horse tickets inside your bag. And so every kid was, we all looked like little bookies standing there, you know what I'm saying? And if, if your horse won in this race, you got like a Snickers. And if you had a real long shot and it won, you might win 20 bucks. But nobody ever won the big one, the $1,000 prize. My whole neighborhood of kids, we all like Saturdays, we're glued, developing bad habits to the TV, watching our horse race. And ever since then, it stuck with me. But here's the reason it stuck with me so much. One day, my brother and I, we missed the race. All the other kids were, I want a Snickers, I want a ice cream. 
my brother, I don't know why he said what he said, but he just reached in and pulled out a ticket like this and he said, well, we want $1,000. I was like, we did. <laughs> and the little know-it-all kid in our community, everybody's community have a know-it-all kid? He come out and went, let me see that. Scott did it like this, you know, holding on to it. Probably hoping his fingers would cover the races. And the kid said, you did. I was like, no, we didn't. He's like, you did. So we went down to the store. We won a thousand bucks. So now you see why your pastor struggles watching horse races. I'm just kidding. But we won a thousand bucks. My parents were kind enough to let us each have a hundred of it. But anyways, we'll deal with that bitterness later. But I learned something that day. It wasn't the horse that everybody expected to win that would win. It was the long shot. It was the one that everybody else said, ah, oh, there's not a chance. So we're sitting there. Christina says to me yesterday, she said, you watching this? I said, yeah. She said, well, who are you pulling for? And I said, the long shot. The little horse. I said, I don't want to pull for the winners that everybody's like, obviously one of these two will win. I said, I'm looking for the little guy that everybody, not the ones down here that everybody knows don't have a chance, but the one that, that everybody's like, if they win, it'd be a miracle. I said, that's my guy right there. They line the horses up. I'm watching. The bell goes off. First one out. My horse. This is deeply spiritual, isn't it? My horse is taking off. He gets ahead. How many watch? Anybody watch it? Yeah, one honest person in the room. Anyway, all right, yeah. <laughs> Takes off. He gets ahead. He leads the entire race. And they come in the back stretch. And here come the big boys. It's sort of like they're going, he's going, you know what I'm saying? The big boys are barreling down on him. He's running with everything in him. Watch him. Look, he's ahead. I'm telling Christine, look at my horse, look at my horse, look at my horse. And then, then he catches the big boys out of the corner of his eye. It was like somebody hit the nitro. He went, and he took off. Your pastor is at a horse race in his heart right at this moment, in my bedroom, watching this little horse running, going, woo my horse, my horse, woo And my horse won the whole stinking race. Somebody go, why tell us that in a sermon? Because I stand right here every Sunday looking at long shots. You are not supposed to be able to stay free. You are not supposed to survive. You are not supposed to be the ones who win. But guess what? When you allow the Holy Spirit to kick into your life, you've got what it takes. Keep running, keep running, and you'll get there. Why don't you stand and give that kind of God a praise like he deserves? Amen. Amen. 
want you to bow your heads all across this room with everyone standing, eyes closed, heads bowed. We're all a long shot. I guess that's the way I've always felt. Like too many people have counted me out, wrote me off, but he's never failed me. Oh, I declare the word of the Lord over you. First time, I'm telling you something different in this atmosphere, in this third service today. I declare the word of the Lord over you. May the favor of his oil be upon you. And may he strengthen you like iron and bronze. May he give you weapons that are mighty, that you would know you can live free in Jesus Christ. Every head bowed, every eye closed, nobody looking around. I want to quickly ask you today. Quickly, how many of you are in this place who would say with me, Pastor, there's something in my life, there's something in my life that's hindering the flow of the Holy Spirit, and I have allowed my faith to ebb and flow. I have, I've given up in the I've given up when I should have stood up. I've, I've backed down when I should. My goodness, somebody, I feel it right now. The devil thought he had sealed your ministry under a seal of doom and defeat. But you're coming out by the authority of Jesus Christ. You listen to this, Pastor. Somebody, the enemy thought he was destroyed your life by destroying your family. But you're about to break into a new season. You're about to break loose right now. But somebody would say, I need to be consistent in my faith that I will still be standing on the other side of every single day for the kingdom of heaven. I want to see your hand if that's you. I want you. I want to see your hand. Hold them up high. Hold them up. Keep them up. Keep them up. Wow, it's over half this congregation has their hands in the air waiting on others right now. Consistent faith. Those watching, just say, that's me. That's me. Type that in there. Those watching, say, it's me. It's me. It's me. It's me. Put your hands down quickly in this place. Maybe you're here and you say, Pastor Don, I'm, I felt like too much of a long shot. And I've never surrendered my life to Jesus Christ. I've never given my heart and soul completely to him. And today, you want to do so. I want to pray with you. If that's you, right where you are today, would you say with me, if you want to give your heart to Jesus Christ, just hold your hand up so I can see your hand in this place. Hold it high. Thank you. Thank you. Are there others that will join with these? Hold them high. Hold them high. Thank you. Are there others? This is it. This is your moment. This is your time. This is your moment. Thank you, Jesus. All right. Put those hands down. We're going to pray a prayer of faith. This prayer of faith will save the soul and will liberate the bound. Oh, Holy Ghost. I don't know why, but I felt to do this in both services. This service is quickly about to transition. But if you're here today while I'm praying and you raised your hand for either one of those parts and you want to make a physical sign by joining me in this altar and saying, I'm going to be different after this service, I want you to start walking this way as I begin praying. Are they already walking this way? Come on. Father God, right now in the name of Jesus Christ, by the power of the Holy Spirit, I thank you, Lord, for life-changing victory that is coming. I thank you, Lord, for what you're already doing. My goodness, I feel the Holy Ghost of the living God. I feel it in my heart, and I feel it in my soul. 
Don't you find this strange? Don't you find this strange? You can, some of you, there's a lot more than in this altar that need to start walking. I feel it. I feel it in my heart. I feel this. Pastor Don, we got, we got there's stuff to do. No, no, no. This is the greatest work of heaven right now, right here in this place. Quickly, I want some of them again to come stand behind these. Jonathan, I want you to take a step just toward me right here, if you would. Oh, I feel your Holy Spirit. Oh, Holy Ghost. Jesus. Son, I looked at you the other evening. And I saw a hope in you that I didn't see six weeks ago. I saw a literal change on your body that you can't even recognize yet as the work of the Holy Spirit has been doing what He promised way back in the beginning, the foundation that He laid, He has uncovered. And though it may have sat there for a season, it is still strong. You are chosen, you are marked, and you are a called child of the King. And I consider an honor to now ask him to put upon you an oil of refreshing, a strength that will help you walk on days when you are weary. And when the enemy sends hell to assail you, may God in his grace cover you from the top of your head. Come on, church, stretch your hand this way and begin to pray. God's doing something right now. I sense a breaking, a breaking, a breaking right now by the power of the Holy Spirit, a breaking. That's you, Jesus. That's you, Jesus, a breaking by the power of the Holy Spirit. Lord, now by the authority of Christ, now by the authority of Jesus, right now, Holy Ghost of the Most High God, now, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, delivering power. Pray with him, pray with him, pray with him in the name of Jesus. Delivering anointing, delivering power. Liberation by the Holy Ghost now. Lord, as you are setting those free who believe in you right now, Lord, you're setting them free. Deliverance is coming. Deliverance is coming. Victory comes in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, deliverance belongs to them. In Jesus, my goodness, there you are, Jesus. Deliverance, deliverance by the authority of Christ. In Jesus' mighty name, Holy Ghost, mm. I declare the acceptable year that is ahead of her of the Lord's favor and strength in Jesus' name. Amen. Father, right now, as my wife lays hand on this young lady, Lord, minister healing, virtue, and strength into her now by the authority of the Holy Ghost. Right now, in Jesus' mighty name. In Jesus' mighty name. Father, may your favor chase all of those watching and those present. Pour out on us, Holy Spirit. Come on, join me in that prayer. Pour out on us, Holy Spirit, afresh and anew, in Jesus' mighty name. Amen and amen. I wish somebody give God some praise like he deserves in this house. Hallelujah, you can do better than that. I'm talking about a refreshing power 
of the Holy Spirit. Thank you, Jesus.